Welcome back, people. This is the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike here with Jay and McLean, and we got live instant reaction from the Players Championship today, recording our, on our usual Monday night with a Monday finish, wild and crazy weekend or week. It seemed like it took forever to get this golf tournament in, but um, first off, how are you boys doing? Doing hey, good, guys. man. Um, what are you guys Black drinking? Sleep, but that's about it. Uh, Corona light. Matter of fact, I need another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually drinking. I, I'm going a little fancy tonight. I'm, I'm going to try out this Knob Creek 15 that I've had sitting on the. Oh, there you go. On the shelf here for a while. I opened it a couple months ago and haven't really touched it since. But it's it's good. How big yeah. is your fucking liquor cabinet? I'll send you a picture. <laughs> massive, massive. <laughs> it's okay it's okay i mean i've seen i've seen some crazier ones but it's nice i mean i it's good yeah, you see some crazy stuff at bars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good i mean it's probably i don't know i don't know how many bottles i probably shouldn't say on air i'll, I'll send you a picture <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i got gifted another bottle of bourbon the other day i was mm. like I have no, I, I'm, I'm full. My, my cabinet, which is an old, old bourbon barrel that it's I had really converted cool. into a liquor cabinet, has a couple shelves and, a, you know, get some puck lights in there that sense it when I open the door. And is that an Adam Dowd project? That's an Adam Dowd project. Or shout out to Adam Dowd. I love that guy. It is, uh, it is a cool, it's a cool little setup you got. But it, it holds about 50 ish. Bottles oh, <laughs> of varying sizes, and mm. I, it's it's full. I'm now s- storing them on top of the barrel. Um, well, what are you gonna do? But I actually, I just made myself an old fashioned tonight. I haven't had an old fashioned in a while. There you go. So I'm using the uh, J.R. Ewing, but old fashioned. Nice. I was gonna smoke it too. Excuse me. I was gonna smoke it, but the freaking gun thing was busted. So no go there. I gotta get that fixed. Yeah, step it up. If you come here to another podcast again without a smoked old fashioned, don't show up, Mike. <laughs> I apologize. It come was on. a fault. It was, it was a it was a bogey. I understand that. But I guess let's let's get into what everyone wants to talk about. Um, Tom Brady is coming out of retirement. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I knew that's where you're going. A hundred percent. Oh, I knew it. I mean, hey, I'm excited. I like, I mean, I want to spend as much time, you know, watching the greatest football player of all time and I don't I think I want to make a point to go to a football game this year to watch him. I need to watch him one time before he retires. Come on. Um I went and watched Michael Jordan one game in 2001 when he played for the Wizards and it was a uh, I think I've probably told this story in this podcast but I think it it's something you, you if you live in the era of these these guys you have to see him. I've, saw, I've seen Tiger Woods multiple times, been around Tiger and it's every time I see him or bump into him, which doesn't happen very often. But when I did, it was awesome. Um, and same thing yeah. with like, when I went to this game, Michael Jordan was at the MCI center, which is now, I don't even know what it's called now. They've changed names so many times since then. Um, uh, but he's capital, capital one yeah, arena. Yeah, that's right. Capital one arena. Um, so I got, we get to this game like two hours early and I was like, I'm going to get there early. As soon as the doors open, I'm going to watch him warm up and yada, yada, yada. We're in the nosebleeds at the very top. You know, I was in college and, um, he didn't show up like he didn't come out 
it didn't hit shoot any nothing, no shots, nothing. I mean, no layups didn't come out and joke around with the guys. I mean, it was like 10 minutes before the game started. And then here he comes, like out of the, the I mean, who knows? He was probably he was throwing smoking cigars, playing golf, playing golf, playing cards. I mean, doing whatever. Yeah, he probably I mean, shot a few free throws in their yeah. warm up in their practice gym somewhere. And probably. I mean, and he literally is, you can tell as soon as he walked out, like everyone, like I was sitting at the very top so I could see the entire crowd and everyone kind of like you could see everyone lean in and no one made a noise at first, but everyone just kind of got out of their seats and started leaning forward. And then you heard everybody start roaring. And I was like, there he is. I mean, he's 300 feet away, but you could, you couldn't miss it. It was like, he was like glowing coming out of the, <laughs> out of the, uh, the tunnel. Um, so well, that's like, that's a, that's a story I always tell. So I, I've had a chance to see Brady play a few times and then um, I'll tell this story. So when a few years ago, when he was still with the Patriots, they came down to Richmond because they were spending a week with the Redskins. They were called the Redskins then. They're now the commanders. We train here in Richmond, do, do training camp here. They were practicing for about three days and then they were going up to D.C. for the preseason game. I actually happened to be in Boston when they got into town and I was watching some social media videos of them, like, Oh, Patriots arrive in Richmond and they're interviewing a few people at the hotel. And I was like, oh, I know what hotel that is. So that's, <laughs> I said, that's the Hilton in short pump. And no. so when we actually flew down that afternoon, late, late afternoon, and we got in, I looked at Lindy. We had one baby at the time. My, my oldest, um, Isabella. I'm like, Hey, we don't have it in the house for dinner. Right. She's like, no. I said, like, great. We're going to go to Short Pop and pick something up. And we may or may not stop at the Hilton and see what happens. She goes, we can't do that. I said, oh, yeah. So we get in. I, I like do like two laps around the hotel for whatever reason. And I was like, screw this. We park. I'm like, we're going to walk in. So sure enough, we walk in and we're just kind of meandering. People are like, oh, can I help you? You're like, no, we're good. Um, I'm just going to hang out in the lobby of your hotel here. And I could see some some coaches came down wearing all their gear and I could hear someone say that they're going to have a meeting. So the Shula's restaurant was there and it was all had this big black curtain over it, but they said there was a, a dinner or a meeting or whatever in Shula's. I said, Lindy, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, I could see you right now just geeking out over it. And so sure enough, all of a sudden just waves of players. Now you're talking training camp, right? So there's a hundred guys. Yeah plus coaches and trainers. There's just waves of players coming down. I recognize a lot of them and they're going into Shula's behind these black curtains for their meeting or dinner Gosh, or whatever. Do you think we're eating that night? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was a huge bar tab. And that was back when Shula's was legit. That was, yeah, that's when it was good. And then all of a sudden the elevators opened. These white doves flew out. Lights were shining. <laughs> Angels were singing. I had an erection. My wife was taking her panties off. It was, it was wild. Um, but there he was, the great one. He was 15 feet away with me. Just said hi and walked in, and it's one of the greatest moments of my life. He said hi to you. Uh, there was like there was like 10 of us there. He just kind of waved to us. One guy was being obnoxious, like yelling yeah. at all the players. Um, but he was like, "Hey!" And then he went in. You know, he's a big guy. He's a tall dude. He's a tall dude. Yeah. yeah. So. But I have seen him on the field a couple times, but I've also seen him in a hotel lobby, which is even more exhilarating. <laughs> Can we talk some fucking golf? All right. Yeah, let's talk golf. <laughs> Tom Brady is back, and that's a good thing for everyone. 
It is. Maybe not everyone, but it's a good thing for me. Not for everyone in the, what is it, the NFC South. Yeah, well, <laughs> that division sucks too. Do you have to renew your KY subscription? <laughs> no, I forgot that, you know, it's Amazon. Just so it's recurring. I just figured you yeah. ended it after, you know, you retired. I guess I'd um, like to reinstate. Check this there's, out. There's always something we can use that for, McLean. <laughs> <laughs> you all right there, McLean? I came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk players championship. Cam Smith gets it done today. I was fortunately off from work, or unfortunately, I had to do some yard work. So I was I was in and out of the house. I was listening to it um, more so than watching some of it, but I was a roller coaster of emotions for me this weekend with this whole thing. I was jacked up for the players. I was just pumped. And then the shitty weather kind of just ruined it. It was like, okay, well, they're in a six hour delay. Okay. Well, now they're going to cancel it for the day. And it was hard to get in. Obviously, that was probably hard for the players to get in a rhythm playing, but it was hard for me to get in a rhythm viewing. And then all my bets that I made, I won't say how much. I just happened to pick everyone that was in the shitty wave. All my DraftKings teams had people that were all in the shitty wave. They got hammered. And Brooke shoots 82, whatever the fuck it was. And all and my I could just see my money going in the toilet every but he time. Only, but he only gets up for the big events, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Except for this one. Except for this one, right? And wow. so, and then like that okay. theory is washed. So that was like I was like, I was in like a bitter mood for a couple of days. I'm like, God, this sucks. This tournament's not going how I want it to. And then the leaderboard wasn't great. I mean, hell, look at the final group today. It was Anabon Lahiri, Doug Gim, and Sebastian Munoz. Like, I'm sorry, guys. Just not bringing the heat for me. Now, tip of the cap to Anabon Lahiri. He he played his ass off, 67, 69. Made a bunch of good putts, grinded. Great in the uh, press conferences and the interviews. But it did get exciting. Cam Smith putted and chipped his face off i mean he is and he made four birdies in a row twice in twice. one round to start each to start each nine he made four in a row i mean yeah. his his putting stroke and we've talked about cam because he's won a few times since we've been doing this podcast now he's his game is um trending i think this I was looking at the world golf rankings. They don't have it updated, but I saw somewhere on social media. This will move him to sixth um, in the world golf rankings. He should be. I mean, the, the guys here, he's been, he's been in the hunt a lot, a lot. Um, if he hasn't won, which he's won a few times, he's, he's been close a bunch as well, but man, I love watching him putt. His stroke is just silky. The great rhythm. He keeps the putter head really low going back and going through. Yeah. Just got a nice little pop. Oh, it's so good. I mean, 10 birdies. I think only had, what, four pars today? Because he had that string of bogeys in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would rank his I would rank his putting stroke, if not at, at the top, If I mean, close to the top, if not at the top. I mean, everyone, know, everyone loves Patrick Cantlay's stroke, but this one looks, it just looks so uh, fluid. And it's like the, he's hitting, every putt is hit with a purpose. Like, it's like, oh, man, he's, this is going to go in like every yeah. putt is tracking the, at the hole. I mean, and a lot of that's attributed to, you know, green reading speed and so forth, but he's got such a simple, easy stroke. I mean, and they go in the middle too. They're not like catching the edges. He just pours yeah. them in the middle every time. Yeah. 
Now his full full swing is is something something else, but um, well, he's his, making it work. He's his off work. off the tee is not good. He only hit forty three percent of his fairways this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry for the whole for the whole event for all four rounds. He only hit forty three percent at that place to win is impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look at, I, I couldn't find the, the, the PJ Tour website doesn't have the um event statistics as far as strokes gained relative to the field like they normally do maybe they just haven't updated it yet uh, but if you look at his season statistics which i think does include this event he's 147th strokes gain off the tee however he's sixth approach the green 21st around the green third in putting 20th in strokes gain tee to green oh and he's first overall strokes gain total so that's pretty good yeah, I mean his 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 you know I say you can't even it's like from 150 yards and end this guy's like a robot. I mean, did you see that shot he hit? The shot he hit obviously we're going to get to it. I mean, the shot he hit on 18 after chipping out into the water, which, which was, I was oh my pulling God. my hair out watching this. I obviously needed him to to win and Mikey you needed him to win. We all had our own little things going on there, but I'm like, "What what are you doing?" Like, what are you doing? Well, I was surprised he hit driver to begin with. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. Like, dude, hit three wood, hit five wood. Like, yeah. what are you doing hitting driver? Especially when when the greens are that soft. Like, you can hit a three wood and have, like, a longer club and kind of, you know, bail out right of the green and still, you know, probably still get it close. Yeah, because that's an that easy hole location the to put there. Um, but anyway, you know, but my point, though, was even after he pitched out into the water, you know, he's got, what did he have? Like a 50, 60 yard, you know, pitch shot and he hit it to what, two and a half feet. I yeah. mean, it almost went in. I mean, it was just, yeah, he, his, he his wedge game, his wedge game is money. His, his short game around the greens, bunker play chipping. It's, it's impressive. I, I saw a, um, a quote from his caddy tonight. Someone asked him about like, when he's in the zone putting, do you just like stay away? And just, you know, no need to help. Just hand him his putter and walk away. And he goes, pretty much if he's inside 60 yards, I stay away. <laughs> I can see Because he's just all world from 60 yards and in. I mean, you, for, for a guy who's not one of the longest guys on tour, he actually still moves it out there pretty decent, though. I mean, I saw a couple drives, ball speed in the mid-170s. I mean, he's uh, better than, you know, above average, you know. He's, he's 174, 173, which is about average on tour these days. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I saw a couple of drives he got above. He got 176, 177. So, I mean, you know, I mean. That's that's good speed without question. But, I mean, there's so many 180 guys out there. That yeah, yeah. Mind-blowing. Yeah. It's, with the technology and you can – it's so easy. It's just, it is so easy to get to get fit properly to your, to your swing where you can maximize. You know, take a guy – I don't know what his swing speed is. They didn't put his swing speed up there, but – I mean that he's a guy that could probably swing it at 112, 13, 14 and still get the ball in the mid mid 170s, one, you know, so mid his, upper 170s. His average club head speed is 114.85, which puts him 102nd on tour. Yeah. So he's I mean, he he's above average, I guess. I mean, if you do 250 guys on tour. Yeah, the guys that play in the events typically you're looking at that amount, 220 or so. Mm-hmm. So he's right, right about just ahead of average. But yeah, I mean, the guy just has balls. He's laid back. Now, granted, he pushed oh. the fuck out of that cl- that shot on seventeen. 
Oh, there's yeah. no way he was trying to hit that at the flag. I mean, that was shoved 40 feet. And he said that in the press conference. He, yeah. he, all, he, all he said was, I wasn't, yeah, they were like, were you aiming? And he was like, no. That's all yeah. he said. Was like, <laughs> he didn't elaborate. He just said, no, I wasn't aiming at that pit. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. I actually saw someone talking about this. It's kind of a different, uh, real quick tangent. You know, when it comes to strokes gained, that iron shot's going to be up there really high strokes gained. But it was a bad shot because it wasn't where he was trying to yeah. hit it. You know what I mean? True. It wasn't his intention to hit it there. True. Because um, he almost cost himself the tournament if he puts that thing in the water. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was, I was, you know, I texted you guys when he hits it in the pine straw there on 18. I'm like, chip it out sideways. I could look, you could see the gap that he was looking at up towards the green. I'm like, dude, just chip it out sideways. What are you doing? Now he was fortunate to get up and down. Obviously, his short game is is phenomenal to do that. But yeah. And then Lahiri makes the birdie on 17 right after he hits it in the water. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> it was good. And he hit a, he hit a great, he didn't hit a great iron shot. And and he has he's not known to be a great iron player, at least from by his standards. Um, he even said, I think he they said he added like I think they added like three gram, three or four grams, or no, three swing weights to each uh, to each iron before he started the, the the week's event. He just said, I was playing so poorly with my iron game is so bad, I just had to do something different. So he added a bunch of weight to each each club, each each one of his irons. And obviously, he obviously played well this week. But yeah. I don't. Sounds like I haven't looked up his stats, but typically that's not one of his strengths. But you could tell what he was good at when he hit that unbelievable chip on 18 he almost made it they showed his his stats on the golf channel the last three years and pretty much almost every category he's gotten better so like his iron play approached the green two years ago he was 105th last year he was 53rd this year he's now sixth currently there you go so what's uh sixth in in what stat i'm sorry approach the green it's iron play for this year for this year, he's sixth. Oh, really? Man, I'm pulling up a different stat. Maybe maybe it's rank. I'm pulling up his approach to the green. He's 201st. Uh, not what I'm looking at. He's on the, on the PGA Tour website. I'm on, I'm on the PGA Tour website for, for Lahiri. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Cam Smith. Oh, I was talking about uh, Lahiri. Yeah, oh, I was, sorry, I was sorry, saying sorry. how Lahiri added a bunch of weight to his irons because he's not a great iron player. I got gotcha. you. And he's ranked 201st in, in approach to the green. So, but yeah, Cam Smith is, I mean, I mean, if let's be honest, if you're, if you're hitting, if you're hitting your driver that poorly and still, and still, you know, managing to hit iron shots like that, I mean, you're going to be in the hunt. I mean, that's what it, Especially at a place like Sawgrass, because we had the thick rough. Those greens aren't huge for PJ Tour standards. Yeah, they're very small. You know, so to miss that many fairways and to hit your irons that well is. Well, it's a fairly tight course, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, full disclosure, I did not see the end of the golf tournament. (laughs) Didn't see any of it. I had to pick up my son from school and then I had uh, baseball practice. So, you know, the um, the head coach can't get out of that. Yeah, that's right. You can't. I mean, Monday I had finishes. it on in the office. I had it on the radio. I was at the gym. I had it on my phone when I was working out. I was like, I was into it. But I, I did have some. I was, I was vested there. I needed Cam Smith to win. Which I had to go pick up the my girls at uh, aftercare, and I had the I have YouTube TV, so I was watching it on my phone, and I had the sound going through the car, and I'm looking down at my phone, and my eldest is like, "What are you looking at your phone?" I'm like, "Nothing. It's not good to look at your phone while you're driving." <laughs> Nothing. Lay off my back. Get off yeah. my back. I'm Lay off my kid. Here. Stop asking all the questions. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just like Cam. He he's I do too. It's just so hard not to like him as a person. It just seems like he's so laid back. There was even some quotes from him back in the fall when he won an event, or I think he got some big FedEx Cup bonus because they pay the top ten or whatever. And he was like, "Yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Like, I got enough money. Like, I don't even know what I would do with it. Maybe buy some more fishing equipment." Like the guy, like he just won three point six million dollars for this event, and he's not going to care a lick about it. You know, he got teared up after the round just because his mother and his sister were in town, hadn't seen him in two years because they're down in Australia and just with COVID and restrictions. And he was like, he goes, golf was secondary. I just wanted to hang out with my family this week. That was my priority, you know? And so amazing how sometimes a distraction like that frees you up, especially in his hometown. Right. So he's not from, obviously he's Australian, but he lives in Ponte Vedra. That's where he's made his residence now that he's on tour. So he's got all kinds of friends and family and, and people there rooting him. Sometimes it can be, you know, a distraction. I'm sure during all these rain delays, he was going home to the house, but he having to hang out with people versus going to a hotel room and, you know, being in peace and quiet by yourself. So yeah, he just, but that's better. Yeah. Maybe it's better sit there in a hotel room by yourself. And Jay can certainly attest to this. All you do is think about that golf tournament. All you do is think about what shot you hit, what shot you did. And I mean, it just becomes so you get so wrapped up in it. Whereas it's, I think it's way better to get away from the course after you're done playing. It's one thing to have a burger and go putt for 30 minutes, but the guys that are grinding after their rounds, that's what practice rounds are for. Get out there, get yourself distracted a little bit and show up and execute while you're there. If you're thinking about it at night, nonstop, I think it's just, it's harder to, it's harder to produce when it's your constant focus 24 hours a day. Um, I know that sounds crazy. It almost sounds backward to conventional thinking, but in golf, man, it's it's just it's a different it's a different sport. Well, and you hear people uh, talking about mental game. I get in conversations with their caddies about nothing to do with golf in between shots, right? And you try exactly to right. you try to focus for that minute, right? Kind of get your exactly. yardages and club and your prep work, okay, for that shot. Focus on your pre-shot routine, hit it, and then you're done with it, and then you. If, you, if you're thinking about it constantly for five hours, then it's going to wear on you. Where if you just take one one minute for each shot, as far as your focus goes, you're you're better off. Without question. Without question. Jay, you get a little refill there? That is a different, but different tiny glass. glass. A different what tiny glass. Same, same time. Well, it's the same tiny glass that I had earlier, but different than the ones I've had in the past. Definitely is. <laughs> Definitely pinky worthy. Pinky's back up. Oh yeah, pinky's up. Pinky's up. Um. So yeah, I I thought it was, I thought it was going to be a boring day, and it wasn't. I was just there was a lot of guys up there, and um, you know, a few people were trying to make a run. Burger tries to make a run for a little bit. Hovland makes a run for a little bit. Casey was playing well, you know. Some guys way back in the pack were kind of doing some things. Hell, DJ, see DJ, sixty-three holes out on the ninth hole, which was his eighteenth from seventy-something yards for sixty-three. Talk about backdooring your way into a couple hundred thousand dollars. Nice. That is nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Doug Gim, just horse for a course. He's going to be on my players' uh, DraftKings next year. What do you have a top f- top five last year or something like that? Get some. I mean, it- it blows my mind. I mean, I, I give all the credit in the world to Doug Gim. I don't, I don't know him at all. 
but you watch him swing, you watch his game and you're, he just, I feel like his name pops up quite a bit. I don't know. I don't know if it's because some of the, some of the group chats I'm in, they always like to make fun of him and they just talk about him all the time. But, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he pops up a lot. Like, I mean, he he, does. he'll have flashes, he'll have flashes where he plays well and he's got a quirky little swing. He's not a big guy. Doesn't hit it that long, but he, he knows his game. I mean, and he gets it done, which is, you know, more, more power to him. And you had it just uh, goes to show, you know, again, like we always talk about the you know, distance is such a big, you know, thing, you know, last 10, 15 years. It's like, you know, the longer you hit it, the more advantage you have. And, and they're right, but there's more to playing golf. I mean, it's still a, a skill driven game. You have to have the skill set. You have to be able to have those fine tuned motor skills to be able to control the phase, control, um, you know, the club head around the, around the greens, have that touch and feel putting like you have to have a lot more shots go into that than just pounding it off the tee. Now, if you've got somebody who can do all those and you've got, you know, the top, top 10 player in the world, but he's obviously doing the the other stuff really well, regardless of how long he hits it. Yeah. And then you had, uh, you had Keegan Bradley up there for a while, the ghost of Keegan Bradley. Yeah. Wow. I tell you what, man, he, uh, he's cross-handed with that new putter of his and the stroke looked pretty good. I was, I was, um, I, I hesitate to say surprised, but, uh, it just, it looks, it looks quality. Yeah. It's almost kind of, he almost chokes down on the putter. So it, it's not an arm lock putter, but he like kind a wrist of, lock. yeah, he kind of braces it a little bit. On, you're right on that, on that left wrist when he does the left hand low yeah. it, and you're right. It did look better than he has in, in years with the putting stroke. Absolutely. Um, and we always, we've known that he can, he can ball strike. Yeah. Um, so if he's able to find a way to make an impact with his short game, um, I think we'll see the guy contend more. Mm-hmm. Or we just reinstate the belly putter and then should have never outlawed it. In my he may win another major. Right. Should have never outlawed it. And then Webb Simpson. How about that break Paul Casey got on 16? Have you ever seen anything like that? I didn't see it at all. All right. So McLean. Cam Cam Smith's at 13 under. Okay. Casey and Lahiri were at 11 under on 16th tee box. Cam Smith hits the duck hook of all duck hooks. I'm not even sure the ball went 200 yards into the pine straw, into jail. Casey gets up there and just rips one down the middle. And it rolls into an old pitch mark of somebody else's drive. So the ball's just sitting in this little tiny hole, not a divot, an old pitch mark of a oh, ball. I've never seen it before in my life. That's one of the worst breaks I've ever heard of. It was like, I had to rewind it. I'm like, did I just see that right? I was like, no you know, way. You know, what's funny is um, I, cause I was following it while I was, I was, like I said, I was at the gym. So I was trying to follow like the PGA tour cast. And I saw that he, I saw that Cam Smith hit it left and it was like hit 172 yards off the tee. And I was like, oh my God, dude, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? And then I saw Paul Casey hit it 300, 304 yards off the tee in the middle and then lay up to like 150. And I'm like, hmm, that's Paul Casey right there. I was like, immediately, I had no idea that he hit it in this, this divot, but I like, it didn't surprise me at all that he hit 304 and had like 230 in. It was like, I'm going to lay up. No, but I mean, obviously he had, now he had I know no that option. He, he had no option, but it didn't surprise me that he laid up. I was like that. He could have done that with a perfect line. Like it would have been a Paul Casey thing uh, to do. Like, eh, let me just lay up. Well, he's right a now. hell of a long iron player too. That was right, be right yeah. in his wheelhouse there. Yep. 
And I was like, oh, he even brought a, he brought a rules official in to be like, is this ball embedded? And but then like they realized real fast, everyone knew what happened, you know, through TV and whatever. And they're like, no, the ball rolled a lot. <laughs> and he was just like, he that, handled that it pretty well. That yeah, is that's a, a that's rate. a bad. I've never seen anything. I mean, what are the odds? That's wild. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that, that's, that's one of those wild. things that people. That's you know, with all the rule changes, that's one thing that people are like being able to take relief from. I'm yeah. a divot or a ball mark. I mean, and I, I, I agree with them. I just don't know how you're going to be able to, I don't know how you're going to be able to enforce it. Like that's the tough part because now you talk about rounds getting, you know, they're trying to move rounds up and make them faster. Now you guys are taking drops from divots and ball marks. I mean, it'll yeah, and it, brings a, it brings more of a judgment call. Uh, was this, yeah. was, a, was this a divot a week ago? And now it's just kind of, yeah. When, when does it not become a divot and it's become just a thin area of grass? Just a thin area. Of, you're right. And that's, you that's what's tough. And then now you're going to get more of the Joel Damon, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger confrontation on every hole. The guy gets up and is like, hey, man, this is a divot. Nah, I don't think it is. Oh, I think yeah. it is. No, it's not a divot. Let's call a rules official. Okay, let's take five minutes to discuss it. Yeah. You know, and now the rounds take forever. Yeah, the, so way, the, that- the reason I've always been in support of getting free relief from a divot is it's not and I think we've talked about this before on here. It's not completely fair, and the golf course is different, right? If I'm in the morning wave, and we can get yeah. to that in a second, but if I'm in the morning wave and we're on a hole where everyone has to lay up or it's a short par four where everyone's hitting, hitting three right off the tee to the same spot and hitting these big, chunky, huge pellet divots from their wedges onto the green, and I'm in the, more, I'm in the first group in the morning wave, Jay, you're in the last group in the afternoon wave. There's going to be way more divots in that area than I played. The golf course is not in the same condition. Sure. You know, there's an advantage to me than there is to you. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where I've always kind of come from. But you're right. It, it, it becomes judgment and you're going to have arguments. And it's really hard to classify what's a divot, what's a pitch mark, what's just a hole in the ground or a depression in the ground. Yeah, if you want to go that route, then you're going to have to have a, like a referee on each hole, which this game has never had. We've had officials rules officials that help with answering questions but never a referee yeah you just can't do it either you're gonna have somebody calling the shots and then you know we're opening up a whole another this is that's a different game Uh, it sucks but i I honestly don't know how you would ever how we would ever get away from it Um, yeah so well we'll we'll get to the burger hovland thing in a second i I just have this and this is going to sound like a complete overreaction and not true but if Victor Hovland and Will Zalatoris were at the foundry tomorrow, I would say, boys, get your checkbooks out. We're going to have an up and down contest. Victor, <laughs> you have to hit the chips. Zalatoris, you have to hit the putts. And I'm going to just do it all. And we're going to have a contest. And I'm going to wipe the floor with you guys. Because, Victor, you're chipping fucking blows. And Will Zalatoris, I get the cold sweats when I watch you putt a four-footer. <laughs> it's, it's tough to watch it's tough to watch both those guys do those things it's oh, oh god it's bad it's I mean, tough i mean the the only the good thing with victor hovland is you know if he really if he hits the ball really well he may not have to chip but a couple of times around you're right but but will has to putt every single hole which sucks because he's he's it's clear that uh he's got he, he's got some type of mental block there he's got a, he's got a problem which Sucks because he's one of the best ball strikers on tour. Um, yeah, hands down. I mean, I so I, te- I texted you guys that video of him. I don't, again, I don't know what day it was. I think it was day one. 
he had a you know five footer for par. He he made it right, but it looked like he was signing a signature with his backstroke. Yeah, it was awful. It was it was bad. Now then then you go to the next hole that same day, the very next hole, he had a 15 footer for birdie, and he drains it, and the stroke looks great. But it's like once he gets inside 10 feet, it's like a different person is holding the putter. It's it's weird. Like I've seen guys on tour without bad putters, but they're the the strokes the same whether it's 30 feet or three feet. His like changes, (laughs) you know. Yeah, and it's it's that's that's so frustrating too. And I just. But now, granted, he's such a good ball striker. He still makes you know fifty to hundred grand every week. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he, it it works out. But I, I mean, I can feel for him. It's just like when stuff's going bad and you just can't get out of it. It's it's like the most debilitating thing on the planet. You're like, why can't I do this? Like this, I'm putting a five footer. Like I'm just take the putter back and just put it to the target. Like why is this so hard? And it just is. It's, it's crazy. And then and you watch Hovland, and I'm like. What you would think, and I'm not there on the grounds, but you would think some of these things are like a basic little pitch shot. And he well, he boned one today on was it 12? He boned one and rolled off the back of the green on that that almost drivable par four. And I'm like, what dude, what are you guys doing? Like, and I, I was talking to my assistant Tyler in the golf shop the other day about these two in particular. I'm like, it, it kind of frustrates me as a viewer that these guys are two of the top players in the world rankings. And they can't do two of the most basic things that's required in golf, yet they're so high. It's like, man, I wish you could bring chipping and putting a little bit more into play, where it's, again, not just a ball striking contest. I'm not sure exactly how you would do it, but then it was great to see someone who chips and putts his fucking boobs off in Cam Smith um, win it. But I don't know. It was just... I thought he does, I thought I had. He does hit it. He does hit it really well, too. So that, He does hit his irons yeah. really well. So, yeah, but it was oh. just... It is, know. It's, it is tough. You're right. It, I mean, and but Hovland doesn't even look bad chipping. The motion doesn't look bad. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like he. It's real. It's not like he's real short and yippy or anything like that. He, he just, just never flushes them. Never hits it close. And I mean, we've talked about it. I think the guys who have like a, an extreme amount of like lag and uh, and forward shaft lean, they usually really struggle with chipping. They don't use the bounce really well, and now it's too steep of an angle of. Uh, of uh, too steep of an angle of a descent into the ball. So now they're, it's just a guessing game to how that ball is going to pop off. Not only that, but how, how that club's going to interact with the turf. You know, if you're playing off of bent grass and the grass is not a lot of grain, you can get away with it. Playing off of Bermuda, you know, you come at it too steep. Uh, you, I mean, you're going to stick the club in the ground or vice versa. Now the club's going to really glide through there really quickly and you're going to bone it across the green, which he, he kind of does both of those. Um, yeah. But I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure his whoever is yeah. know who his coach is, uh, but I'm sure that they work on it. It's just you know when you have a certain way that you deliver the club head to the ball with your every every club in your bag, and then you all of a sudden you get with a with a you know 56 or a 60, and you're trying to hit this delicate pitch shot and do something completely opposite. Um, it makes it tough, and he's not a great bunker player either because of that. He, yeah. he they always say I think. They've said he he typically likes to uh, he he hits his downhill bunker shots. I heard them talk about that. His downhill bunker shots, he really releases the club nicely because he can't fall back on. It. I think when he he gets in a bunker, he likes to kind of fall back to try to help himself add some loft. So when he gets these downhill bunker shots, he's like, I can't fall back, so I really have to focus on letting this club go to to use the bounce properly. Um, which you know, 
it is what it is. That's just the way that he delivers the club. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he'll figure it out. I like I like yeah. him. Yeah, I think he's got no. A, I, I like him too, and I like Zalatoris. One of the best um, attitudes. Zalatoris as well. They both have incredible attitudes. Well, you know, I guess that's partly why they are so successful, even with the struggles that they have, because they just they're like, hey man, this is who I am. I'll figure it out. If I don't, I'll just keep making a couple million a year, and <laughs> it'll all be good. It'll be good. So let's let's get to the. You had already kind of teased it. The whole Burger, Hovland, Damon issue. Everybody likes good rule controversy and drama right so if you haven't seen it for our listeners on 16 today um daniel berger was out of it essentially at this point unfortunately for me because he would have won me a lot of money if he won the golf tournament but fortunately my tilted bet of cam smith this morning uh recouped all my losses and i I netted a a whole 15 (laughs) dollars on the weekend but berger's going for the green on 16 and two and flares one right into the water. And he was on, they were on, his group was on ESPN plus uh, featured group coverage online streaming. And so all this was caught on uh, video. They didn't show any of this on NBC or golf channel. He was trying to drop a lot closer to the green, but Damon and Hovland were like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, I think this went in a lot further back. You know, you shouldn't be dropping there. And Berger said something upon it along the lines of, okay, great. Call an official and get a camera. And so they did. They brought over the official. Gary Young, who was the, the lead official for the PGA Tour, came over. And they basically agreed with Hovland and Damon, or he ended up dropping where Hovland and Damon thought. And I, and I looked at the stat tracker. It was 97 yards away, which seems far to me. I think he got screwed a little bit and and he even, it got a little contentious and you know, no one like cuts at each other, but Berger was adamant that he should be dropping closer. Hovland was adamant that he shouldn't. And, and Berger said something along the lines of, I'm going to drop it here for you guys, but this is wrong, you know, kind of thing. I, I think he did get screwed. Um, he was saying he started it at the flag and it cut and the flag was cut over on the right. They were saying it started in the water. Essentially. I actually think it started in the middle of the green and flared all the way over watching it, at least with the, yeah. with the shot tracer. And that's not a hundred percent accurate. The, the shot tracer, the- it, was, it was pretty close though. You can kind of see the ball take off and it's, it was, in my opinion, definitely taken off more towards the middle of the green and the ball finished. I mean, Berger said three feet. I think it was probably like three or four yards in the water. Yeah. But still, I think he was probably closer to like 40 or 50, 60 yards out. That's what not, I would have said. Not too. 90. Um, but, you know, I, we, we talked about this earlier. I, I'm, on, I'm always under the impression if I'm, a, if I'm a playing partner and a guy hits a shot in the water, if I'm not standing directly behind him, um, I'm not going to get in an argument about 30 or 40 yards. Um, you know, because I, I'm not standing directly behind you. I didn't watch it, you know, from my angle. Uh, yeah, it, I don't think it crossed there, but I would always give the player the option of like, hey, I think it crossed up here. That's my opinion. But if you feel that you it crossed here, then I'm okay with it. Like if you if you were okay with that, then I'll put it on the player. Like this is your conscience. Like if you are okay with dropping up here, then I'm okay with it. And I'll kind of put it on them. Like but I'm not going to tell you where it crossed unless it's absolutely egregious and it's obvious, which in this case, I don't think it was. I mean, they're arguing about a 20, 30 or 30 or 40 yards, which could have gone either way. 
And again, Berger had the best view of it. His caddy probably had the best view of it. And I don't, I know caddies kind of stay out of it when it comes to stuff like that. Like they just let the players handle it, which he did the right thing. Sounds like I didn't hear the caddy have any, didn't, didn't give any two cents for it, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I always, this game is regulated by the players. It's governed by the players. We call our own uh, penalties. You know, they're like we've talked about earlier, there's no referees here. So in the end of the day, Berger could have said, Hey man, no, this is where my ball crossed. This is, I saw it. This is where it crossed. Sorry. You didn't have as good an angle as I did. This is where I'm dropping. And there's no one that's going to tell him he's not going to get disqualified. If someone, there's nothing that they can do to come back and say, Yep, we think it crossed here. You're disqualified. You took a bad drop. Unless it's absolutely obvious. Yeah. But but again, it wasn't but absolutely the, obvious. The rules official kind of agreed with what hurt was when they called the rules official over. And the rules official here is a two-to-one argument in another way. He was like, well, you know, we have more guys saying it crossed here versus you was, saying it crossed there. You that know? was wrong. That was wrong. He that, didn't. That, he never told Berger where to drop it because he was like, "Listen, I wasn't here. You guys have to figure it out between you guys." Uh, but he was like, "We got you know two guys saying this and you saying that," and so Berger ended up doing what what Hovland and Damon wanted. Um, and and that's and that's again that's that's unfortunate because he had the best view of it. He's the one who hit the shot. Berger and Hovland were not standing right behind him. They were standing off to the side. So of course two to one they're competing against them they're not gonna they don't want to give them any benefit of the doubt so in the end of the day i think it, it sucks it's he's in a bad situation again we're talking 40 yards he ended up hitting it up there and missing the butt making a bogey it cost him a you know i think it didn't cost him a couple grand it cost him about 100 grand um had he been able to you know had he dropped 40 yards closer and maybe got up and down maybe but that's all it's all speculation but I don't like I don't like that, and I get that Hovland. They're trying to protect their checkbook or their their checking account, um, and not give him a, a the benefit of the doubt. But I always feel like as a player, like I, I know how it is on the other side. Look on the other side, like, hey man, I saw this ball. I watched it go over here, and you you weren't on the same line as me. So don't tell me you know for fact. Both of those guys are going to join up together and say, yeah, no, dude, it's further back here. Of course it is because. We're all tied for the, we're all tied for the same spot, and you're not. It's not like these guys are, you know, top five players in the world. They're all trying to make as much as they can. Berger's probably a higher ranked player than. Well, Hovland's up there too, but Hovland's um, actually number three, I think. Yeah, number yeah, but but I, again, I think he he kind of got the the bum end of the uh, of the stick there. And if you go back and look at the video, I think you can see, like I said, the tr- shot tracer is not completely accurate, but you can definitely see that the ball did not start right of the flag stick. Started towards the middle of the green. Yeah. So I think I think Berger had a pretty good argument. I think he got kind of got the bum in bum into the stick there. Um, but and like you said before the show when we were talking about it briefly, um, if that's Tiger Woods, they just let him drop wherever he wants. They don't even question him. If it's Phil Mickelson, they just you know, hey, wh- whatever you think, Tiger, whatever you think, we trust you. You drop it. They don't. They don't want to be the guy arguing with Tiger out there because no. they're going to be the guy. They're going to be the guy that looks bad. Yeah. And unfortunately, because it's Daniel Berger, they're not going to look bad. But they should probably look bad, in my opinion. I don't think that they did the right thing there. I think I think they should have gone to Daniel and said, hey, man, I think it crossed up here, but I didn't have as good an angle as you. If I trust you. If you think it dropped up there, then go for it. So that way you put it on the player a little bit, like because that's what the way this the way this game is 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 handled. You know, you, you kind of regulate and govern yourself. If you think it crossed up there and you're okay with it and your conscience is good with it, then go for it. Um, 
but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you my opinion and you do what you want, you know? But yeah. So that's all. Everybody likes a little, uh, little drama, a little controversy, yeah. a little bickering. That's good. I thought Daniel Berger should have punched him both in the face. <laughs> now that would have made headlines. Yeah. Should have. <laughs> should have been like, no, F you guys. I'm dropping up here. So I want to talk about the weather. What was your take? I know it was wild with all the rain and the wind and one whole draw getting like really fucked. And it actually kind of fucked the tournament because not that it just, it did fuck my wallet, but it did lessen the event because the draw that got screwed, there was a ton of big names in that draw. They weren't, they didn't really spread out the wealth of the top players in the world. And a bunch of the top 20 missed the cut because they had to play in just some brutal weather. I, I, don't, I don't know. It just, it just, it, you can't do anything about it. It is what it is. And it happens in all, a lot of golf tournaments when there's weather that sometimes there's a good draw. Sometimes a bad draw. It happens a lot in the British open, but I don't know. I guess it, it just took away from it. I know it was, I'm trying to think of my days here. Cause it was so messed up. So Saturday when they went back out there at noon, rain had stopped and it was 50 degrees and just, gusting to 40 25 mile an hour sustained winds and we had it on the golf shop and you was at scheffler kepka oh and i forget who the third was but another top player in the world none of them hit the green yeah i was like holy shit this is gonna be a wild <laughs> a wild ride on 17 today and kepka was laughing yeah well kepka, kepka did it twice because then, then even the second time his ball looked good and then you could see it. It hit a gust and it just went like straight up into the sky and came up short. And he's like, what am I going to do about that? Like, Nothing. you know, it was 25 when he hit it and it was 45 when the ball, when the wind hit the ball halfway to the hole. So yeah. I, I don't know what you can do. And I, like Brandel came out and he made some comments that he doesn't, you know, back in the day, he said he doesn't like 17. And then he kind of came around and said, well, it's good drama and good TV and entertainment. But then he was like, it was way too unfair on Saturday with that wind. Cause there's no bailout. There's nowhere to miss it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is kind of a broad topic between the, what, what were your takes on the weather and 17 and how hard it was or the big names missing the cut that, that kind of whole. I think the thing. weather definitely made it an extremely difficult test of golf. I think it didn't necessarily add to the event. And as far as making it a better event, I would say it would probably more of the opposite. Um, but at the same time, we get back to 17. I think it's a great hole. It's absolutely great hole. If it was a, a hole that was 185 yards or above, not a good hole. These guys are hitting wedges. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. They got their names on their bag. They can figure it out. I, 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 I like, I like, I like the last six holes. No, they're, they're great. Like, People don't talk about how tight the whole, the whole back nine is really good. The whole back nine is good. And we've talked about this a lot. What what makes what makes a, a tournament or, or a golf course memorable? And you know, when you can remember specific holes, I mean, that's what's cool. I mean, you remember 18, you certainly remember 17, 16, always, you know, doubles and bur- double, double bogeys and birdies and eagles. 14 and 15 are good holes. 
13 is a good hole. I mean, then you've got 11. Is 11 the par five or 12? 11's a par five. 12 is yeah. almost drivable. They, they, yeah. they move it up the short par four. They can move up the drivable, which brings some stuff into play. It seems like when you when you get to 11 T box, it's volatile, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, we got fun. Eagle or birdie hole on 11, you know, birdie hole on 12, 13. You can, especially where the hole was today in the final round down the bottom there. If you catch the slope, it could go down to three feet. If you leave it up top, you're probably going to three putt. Or if the guy pulls in the water, like you have no idea what a guy's going to make on that hole. Yeah. And then 14, 15 are tough holes. And then it's, you know, the the finish that we all know about. And so it's like you get to the 11th hole and you're like, I have no idea. Hold on. We have no idea what this leaderboard is going to jump all over the place. Yeah. And it, and, and, that's what happened. I mean, we had so many guys in the mix. Now, granted, not as many, not as many of the big names, uh, probably attributed to the the weather, but still, you had tons of guys in the mix. I mean, anyone could have won that tournament. I mean, you had I say anyone. We had ten or fifteen guys that were right in the mix. I mean, I don't know that 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 that's always fun, especially you know if you're into golf and you've got maybe a golf pool or something like, or you've got a you know DraftKings something something that that gets you into it even more. And now you've got more guys in the hunt, like anything can happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I, Pete Dye, he can, uh, he's, I've played a lot of his golf courses and sometimes you shake your head and you're like, what is, what was he thinking when he did this? But at the same time, he, I think this, this golf course, he did a really good job with, I mean, perfect example is like 16. You hit, say you hit a great drive on 16 and you know paul casey you know in a divot or you know whatever mud on your ball you're like hey i can't go for the green i'm gonna lay up if you lay up too far and to the left now you're blocked out by that big oak tree so he really challenges you to lay up on the right side of the fairway but obviously you're bringing in the water bringing the water into play so like it's those little things like there's no like uh easy hole i mean there is there are easy holes but for the most part, even the holes that you think are easy are not as easy as you think. You know, he's, there's always something little that he's got up. His yeah. If you just crap. get a little bit out of place, a little bit out of place. And then you're like, now I'm really, I'm really penalized now. Yeah. Casey, Casey talked about that layup for a while with his caddy. They were trying to figure out exactly what's the yardage. What's the line. Cause they talked about that tree being blocked out. And mm-hmm. I mean, they had to really think about, it wasn't like, okay, my ball's in a shitty lie. I just got to hack this on the fairway. They had to really think about like, yeah. Where am I hitting this thing? What club am I using? How far do I need to hit this? Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to respect that uh, from, as a player, you want, you want to play golf courses like that, that make you think a little bit more, especially if you're a player who is more, let's say more seasoned and, and more, I don't want to say analytical, but you pay attention to those details. You're like, Hey, I've got an advantage. If I know these little extra details about this course than somebody else. Yeah, I was just a little bummed out with the weather because it just delayed everything and you couldn't yeah. get into a rhythm watching it. And then because it took out some of the big names, not to say all these big names would have been on the leaderboard and in contention, but you yeah. might have if it was just normal weather. You know, yeah. you might have gotten a couple up there more. So we weren't watching Sebastian Munoz and Doug Gim. <laughs> no offense, guys, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, but yeah. fair enough. You know, we've talked a lot about watching all the best players in the world in a field, and then they all miss the cut. So it's like, oh, that sucked. Um, and I, I do like 17. I, I never played the golf course, but I love 17. You're right, McLean. It's a wedge. It's a nine iron, depending upon the whole location, wind, or a normal, normal wind, right? 
JT hit six iron <laughs> on Saturday in the middle of the green. But um, I, I do think the one change I would make to 17 is I think that slope at the front needs to be softened a little bit. Like front. a left. Nope. Yeah, the front left. I feel like it needs to be just softened just a hair. I mean, balls are ripping off that. Nope. Uh, ripping into the water. Yeah. I mean, uh, was it, I don't know, was it Jason Day that hit one on the left side and ripped it off in the water? Maybe it's, you know, Friday. I don't know what day it was. Yeah. Or what, what round what, it was. But Jason Day's played that golf course how many times? A lot. So in he my mind, know. he has his name on his bag. You know how to control <laughs> your spin. He knows how to control his spin. That's that's exactly right, Jay. That's a part of it. You know you can't land it yeah. there and rip it back. That's yeah. one of the things that plays into the greatness of the hole. It also provides a lot of opportunities to see the hole in one ball. And there's not a there's not a massive difference between a hole in one and a two uh, a penalty on this particular hole. No. Um, so at the end of the day, that's one of the things that makes it absolutely fantastic. I mean, think about Tiger's putt that he made, you know, better than most without that slope, that putt doesn't exist. We're talking about one of the greatest shots in history that we, we watch how many, I mean, think about it. We all know the announcer's line better than most. If you say that, and how many times have we recreated that without that slope, that doesn't exist. It's a good hole. Okay. I I think it's a good hole. I mean, no, I think it is a good hole. I think, you know, to your point, McLean, the fact that it's a pitching wedge nine iron on most days, you know, if the wind gets going, sometimes guys will hit eight irons and seven irons or whatever, but it's a short hole. It's a short par three. Um, and I think whatever slope is there, whatever water is there, you know, like you said, they've got their name on their bags. It's a short par three, 145 to 50 yards. You know, let's what make it tough. You know, that's fine. I think it's cool. I mean, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it really in, in golf. I mean, that's, it's one of the few really iconic holes. I mean, if, even if you're a moderate golfer, you know what that hole is, which mm-hmm. is yeah. obviously it's made it. Made an well, how about Shane Lowry? So he's made, do you guys see this? He's made two yep. hole in ones in his career on the PGA tour. Number 16 at Augusta, number 17 at TPC Sawgrass. Two pretty good holes to do it on. Yeah, he's got golden eggs for nuts. <laughs> yeah, that was that was incredibly exciting to watch and see that. I, I remember I'm holding the baby and uh, I, I, I'm jumping out of my seat. I mean, I scared the hell out of that kid. Uh, it was <laughs> it was fantastic. Congrats to him. I, I just that's another guy I like out there. He's a good he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, what else you got on the players? Anything else stick out to you guys, player-wise, course-wise, event-wise? Uh, I mean, I, I always enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy the – again, I, regardless of who was at the top, it always seems to come down to those There's last, always drama. It always – there's always drama in those last, you know, five or six holes, you know. So that's why it's fun to watch. I mean, not to kind of get back on a topic we've talked about before, but I think when we get – this is the one field in golf where we get the best players teeing it up. I mean, obviously they call it the best field in golf for a reason, but you get the best guys playing for the biggest purse. And I know the purse doesn't necessarily affect us as much, but it, it does in the sense that we're playing the same course every time we we've got some course history. The money is big. It, we know it's important for the players. Very big. The biggest in history, obviously, but we know it's really important for the players. So we, we know that they are feeling the pressure 
because they talk about it all the time. So it, because of that, it adds to the drama. And I think it, 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 they've got a really good event. I mean, I hate to say that it's they use that fifth major word a lot, but I mean, it, it certainly is a fifth major. And, and if I could swap the PGA championship and the players, I would do it. I think this well, is more fun to watch than the PGA Championship. I can't say that about the Masters. I can't say that about the U.S. Open. I can't say that about the British Open. But the PGA Championship, and nothing against the PGA pros that that play. I mean, the 30, what is it, 30, 40 guys that play in it every year? Uh, 20. 20. 20. I mean, nothing against those guys. I mean, this is a great event. And if I were a, a PGA pro, I, it would be the, the, the tournament of a lifetime. Um, but for the fan, as a fan i want to see the absolute best players play every single week for the most money for the most uh the most pressure um so i i really think that those two could swap in my opinion but it's that's not going to happen but i think it's definitely earned its title now with the uh, with the paid payday that it has and the obvious field that it's going to draw yeah i mean I, i think there's there's some uh there's an argument argument to be made there. I mean, eventually it's got to, I mean, we didn't just come up with these majors out of nowhere. I mean, no, but yeah, we, well, we did come up out of nowhere. They called them majors, but they, they happen at some point. Somebody thought they were that valuable and that important. Yeah. But who makes that call now? Right. Yeah, like who- I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if they all come to, if it's an RNA and the, and the PJ tour and they all say, Hey, man, this is, this is becoming one of the biggest events in golf this needs to be classified as a, as a fifth major. I mean, what the women, the, the LPJ tour has five majors. I think the seniors know? do too. The seniors do too. I mean, it, it, you know, and let's go back. I mean, if we have to go back and count that, you know, tire only won two of them, you know, and Jack, how many, how many, Jack was kind of out of his prime by the time that the, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was really around when Jack was. Yeah. Oh, that would be funny. We go back and wow. start grandfathering in former wow. Tiger. Wow. What if now, now Tiger's the got record 17? <laughs> Tiger's got 17 majors. And Let's go. Jack's got 18. Let's go. Let's, Tiger, bring it back, buddy. Let's We're, get back on the course. Let's get that number 18. No, I'm going to say right now, it has to be considered a major at the time for it to count. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no question. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to Tiger in a second. A few other things I just wanted to point out. Anyone see. Um, Russell Henley, how he started his round today? No, no, I did not. So through two holes, he started on 10. Through two holes, he was one under. Did not make a birdie, par, or bogey. Figure that one out. Okay, say that one more time. Yeah, through through two holes, through two holes, he was one under. So he started on 10. So after 11, he was one under. Did not make a birdie, par, or bogey. Oh yeah, he had a double eagle and a double. Yeah, <laughs> holy sugar! He started his round with a six on number sugar, ten, man. and then made an albatross on eleven. That's awesome. <laughs> he also, if you go through his whole scorecard, he had a birdie, a par. Sorry, he had a. Say that back. He had an albatross, an eagle, a birdie, a par, a bogey, and a double on a scorecard. Uh, that's the cycle. <laughs> That's batting for the cycle right there. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's an achievement. It all added up to a 68, four under. Nice work, Russell. Wow. Talk about that scorecard looks like a long distance toll-free number. Whew. And then, Jay, your boy, I had to point out, your boy, PK, almost hit it on the Flower Island on 17 there. 
I did. Cold shanked it. I did see that. I did see that. Um, I will. I will get after PK. It's all good, buddy. But listen to this. So he he had kind of a crazy scorecard. So he was four under on the day at that point. Okay, he started on the back nine. He double seventeen after the cold shank. He then birdies makes a turn. Birdies one eagles two. And then coming home, he goes bogey triple bogey on six seven eight. Just a wild scorecard to shoot even par. <laughs> oh my gosh! And that's a lot of birdies and eagles. Gosh, that, that well that again. That's what's fun about that golf course. You know, it's so volatile. You use that word. I mean, that, I think that's what anything can happen. I think like people people get bored with uh, predictability. Like they watch a golf tournament, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I know what's going to happen. No one's going to make birdie on these last five holes because they're so hard," um, or they're just. They're just hard enough to where a guy can't make a birdie. It may be a one or two shot swing, but not three, four shot yeah. swing. You know? and, but that's what's fun about this golf course. They mix in all these birdie holes, eagle holes, and you know, I mean, eighteen. I mean, those those last three holes can you can make a double or an eagle. You know, not on every hole, but like you can make a double and eagle on sixteen. You can make a birdie or a double on seventeen. You make a birdie or double on eighteen. I mean, eighteen. You know, if you hit a good drive and with that pin up front, you can you have a eight iron in or nine iron in for some guys. Well, yeah, it's like JT said. Um, so last year, final round, he hit five wood sand wedge on 18. Yeah. And then on Saturday in the wind, he hit driver five wood. And that was a gnarly five wood. That, that was an awesome five wood. I, I will say this. I want to bring up JT. I'm glad I, I said that. Watching him when he's flushing it, working the ball and shaping it in different trajectories, Unreal. it's it's a thing of like the past, really. I mean, it's you don't see it very much. And yeah, Bubba gets a lot of press for for working the ball, but man, JT is fun to watch when he's yeah. turning it both directions, all different trajectories, and, and he's feeling yeah. it. That's why I, I put money on him. Um, man, something about his his swing just doesn't do it for me. Like, oh, I love it. it I don't know. I don't, I don't love watch. I mean, he's a super talented player, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know when I watch it, like, I just don't feel like it. It's not a very rhythmic swing and he's it lashes at it quite a bit. And it's, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it, he's a great player, incredible player, but like, I don't look at him like that. Like I look at tiger in 2000, when it's just like every swing was just like, well, that's quite a comparison. Butter. I know, I know, but I, I know. I'm just saying. Or, or like Adam Scott, like are those guys? I well, mean, no, I mean, his Adam swing Scott's... isn't like textbook, and it's not that pretty. It's not Louis. I'm just talking about when he when he hits those shots and gets yeah, creative like that, around. it's cool. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. But it's 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 not a like a super pretty swing. No. I mean, it's it's a good swing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I no, mean, it's, some, I kind of dig it. I don't know why. It's a good swing, but I don't like, I don't like, like, I don't want to watch really it. upright I'm, and high. I'm not like, and man, this is, man, that's awesome. I don't gets on his toes. Well, he gets that. a lot of extension and ultimately he maximizes his power because he's a little yeah. guy. Yeah. So he's maximizing what he does. And I got mad respect for that. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy tips uh, a, a buck 80 ball speed at like a buck 50 soaking yeah. wet. No, no question. I mean, that, that, that is some impressive efficiency. It's, it's so, incredible. But I do think, Mike, you know, to touch on his ability to work the ball both ways and how he plays kind of an, an older craft, if you will, I think that's the byproduct of being the son of a golf pro. Yeah, that, that yeah, probably spending, that and spending a shit ton of time with Tiger. So go see your local golf professional for lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's Mike <laughs> Taylor. 
or Mike. Uh, we were just talking, Jay, when we were talking about all those volatile holes and the doubles, and I was going through another thing, probably why Cam Smith won. He didn't make a single double all week. That'll do it. I mean, there were a ton of double bogeys. Oh, I felt like I watched every player make a double bogey. Yeah. No, I agree. But he never made a double bogey all week. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why he won. He, he avoided the big number. Yeah. No, I agree. So. um, All right. I think that's our that's our players talk. We went pretty in-depth there. A lot, of, a lot of talking points. A lot of good things coming out of the weekend. It was fun. But we also had a Hall of Fame induction this past week. We did. Eldrick Tiger Woods gets inducted into World Golf Hall of Fame. Not sure if you guys watched the ceremony or not Wednesday night. I, I recorded it and watched it that night and kind of fast forward through a lot of the BS and Tim Fincham went in and um, two women who their names uh, escape me at this moment. I apologize. But uh I thought his speech was great. Sam, his daughter's 14-year-old daughter, does the uh, introduction to him. I thought that was awesome. Uh, it was good to see her. We've never really seen her. You know, Obviously, Charlie's gotten a lot of press the last couple of years playing the event, and she did just a fantastic job for being a 14-year-old on that stage, yeah. literally and figuratively, right? You get a lot of people watching that. And that was probably the most anyone's ever watched a hall of fame induction. Cause let's be honest, the golf hall of fame is not that big. It's not like these other sports. So that well, was probably the highest rated ceremony that's, that's ever been. She did an awesome out. job. And then tiger got up there and not once did he mention like I won the masters or the PJ championship or the time I won the U S open, the time I won the British open, or it was about his family and his upbringing and how he was raised and how, I don't know. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, kind of. Well, I think he's what, been what humbled he focused on. a lot. The guy's been humbled a lot. And I think his priorities are a little bit different now than obviously they were early in his career. Um, so I think he's going to handle that in a more mature fashion. Uh, I also think that Sam wearing the red dress as a tribute to her dad Sunday attire was pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, I thought she did a fantastic job as well. And, um, I mean, come on, this was a foregone conclusion, you know? Uh, oh yeah. It's just, it's like, all right, Hey tiger, don't worry. We've been saving this space for you. Like we've got a wing dedicated yeah. <laughs> that we've been just been waiting to open up. Um, I mean, 100%. so it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing mm-hmm. though. I, I'm, I'm excited, uh, to see him be that person. You know, I think it's, uh, great for his family and uh, it's awesome for sam to be able to handle the spotlight i mean the one thing i didn't notice if you guys uh if you look at it she has his smile she has his teeth without question when she smiled let's <laughs> yeah. lit yeah. up that thing i mean just look like a <laughs> yeah i uh, look yeah, just like does. tiger i mean as a 14 year old girl to get up and any not just a 14 year old anyone i mean to get up and that's a pretty big stage um in a pretty big moment to get up and introduce Obviously, her dad, but the greatest golfer of all time, <laughs> introduce him into you know the World Golf Hall of Fame. That's that's pretty good. I mean that those videos will be around forever, you know, yeah. for as long as as long as we're around. Yeah, you know, so really cool. I mean the the only sad part about it is I feel like you know for some of these guys who have gotten inducted while they're still playing. Yeah, that's weird. Pretty much, it's like. 
it's like, well, they're still playing, but it's, they, it's like, they know that you're, this is, this is the end. Like you're not going to VJ was one of those guys who got inducted while he was still playing. And after he got inducted, it was like, he just kind of faded. And Phil was kind of like that as well, but obviously he did win the PJ championship. Oh, he did. I didn't hear that. You didn't know that he won. (laughs) Oh, good for Phil. Good for him. But prior to that, he really didn't do a whole lot after he got. I mean, how long ago did he get inducted into the hall? I mean, don't remember. It was a few years because they changed the age. It used to be 50 and then they brought it down to 45 was the minimum age. Yeah. Uh, for induction. Which is always why, a little but... weird. I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, it's like it's, you got to draw the line somewhere because the guys play the champion store and they're going to keep playing forever. So the stats are going to change and the wins are going to change. But at some point, like, are you going to wait till all these guys are like, like 70 years old? You know, it's like, yeah, can't wait that long. So, I mean, one. I mean, yeah, the, it's, it's just not like other sports where, yeah, you know, by 40 or Tom Brady by 45, they're yeah. done. And, you know, you know, they're not going to be 75 years old and dead. Yeah. Right. And so they can enjoy their in- induction. Yeah. So, yeah, golf's just just odd with how long yeah. you play it. And then because of the Champions Tour. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was a cool night to kind of reflect. And pretty much the entire show was about Tiger. Like every yeah. little montage in and out of commercial breaks was tiger videos and they had all kinds of athletes talking about tiger not just you know fellow golfers but serena williams and michael phelps and tom brady and all these guys and the greatest that the greatest athletes you know that we have right now we're we're talking about how great he is and what makes him so good as a as a person and as a player as a wow he was so dominant so that that was kind of cool to hear people from other backgrounds uh, and other sports talk. But again, just it's always fun to reflect back and watch some of the highlights. And I still get chills on some of those highlights, even though I've seen them a hundred million times now. It's just, I was like, oh, I remember where I was when I saw that. Or God, I remember I was in college and I was so fucking jacked up when that punt went in. You know, that kind of stuff. It's just, um, yeah. it was fun. It was good to see. So, but hopefully he does come back now that he has 17 majors. Hopefully right, he can come back players. and one more ties Jack. All he needs is one more now to tie Jack. He needs one more. That's it. Yeah. Love Actually, it. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I know they, they had a tour championship when, when Jack was playing, but it wasn't at Sawgrass. I, I wonder how many of those he won. They had a year-end uh, year tournament. Uh, I'll be curious to see. Yeah, but that was a tour championship. That wasn't the players' championship. No, that's right. That's right. Tour championship. Right. But they didn't have – I guess they didn't have that. It started in 1982. Yeah, that was the that was the first of been that forty moment. years. I think it was Dean yeah. Beeman who was the one that kind of Dean, initiated that. Yeah, Dean Beeman, a Maryland guy. So, um, all right, do we want to preview Valspar? We cannot do a DraftKings currently because DraftKings has not posted anything for this week's event just because of the Monday finish with the players. And I'm sure you're going to have a few guys WD. Um, that might have been previously committed to the field just with how exhausted they are and worn out. And that's a good, good question. Um, but we do have the, yeah, it's still not up on DraftKings. So we do have the Valspar, uh, Innisbrook Copperhead course, tough, tough golf course. Usually all these Florida golf courses seem to be tough. 
these guys are probably going to be like, all right, can we go back to those 30 under days? Those are fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, obviously we don't have DraftKings, but I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three. Valspar's up. I'll give you, oh, it's up. They finally got it up. I can't create a contest at least. Yeah. I can give you three, three picks that I would, uh, I would. All right. On. Yeah. It's too early to, to reserve a seat still. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a super tough golf course and we've talked about this before, but it's just, it's just hard. I mean, and you don't have to, you don't have to shoot really low to win there. Um, yeah, Sam, Sam Burns, defending champion, Paul Casey's in the field. He's a past champion. I think um, Paul Casey is, is he, is Paul Casey won here once or twice? He might've won here twice. Actually. I think these maybe his one of his only two wins were, were here. I know at least one. Oh, McLean's article's up. The power ranking is up on pjtour.com. So oh, click on that for a moment. I'm sure that'll give us a little uh, little tidbit here. Um, Pardon this for, for the viewer here. I would, um, I would, I would put my money on on Scotty Scheffler this week. I would put my money on Sam Burns this week, and I would put my money on. I can't put my money on Paul Casey. I, I want to, but I just, this is actually a pretty good field. Just looking at this it is a power good ranking. I mean, I, I would, I would put money on Paul Casey, top five, top 10, a hundred percent. Does he get it done? Hovland, I think uh, I, he's going to play well because he's a good ball striker and the course is tough, but because it's tough and you have to, you have to, you're going to miss greens out there just because it's so hard. And I, don't love that he is so poor with his with the short game. Um, Justin Thomas is kind of ranked up there, obviously, and he's coming off a you know decent performance given the wave that he was in. Um, but I, I do like Scotty Scheffler. I know he had a he came off of a bad finish there, but I he's been playing really well. Two, I think he, he won two of the last three or four events, and I think he's. I think he's still in a good place and I think he's probably motivated to come back and he feels like he got slighted playing for uh at the players and and getting that wave. So I feel like he's going to come out with uh with a vengeance. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he played well this week. You got Hovland, Morikawa, DJ, Justin Thomas, Shane Lowry, Fitzpatrick, Shafle, Sam Burns, Casey, Abe Anser, Louis Oosthuizen. You got some you got some good good names playing. Um it's a, yeah, it's a good this field. Ustazen has a, has a good track record there as well, uh, playing in it a few times at the Valspar, a bunch of top twenties, top tens. Look out for your boy Jason Kokrak, the Bullfrog. Wow, just, Bullfrog I mean, has not had a mention in a while, but I'm definitely holding out for the Spanish sensation. <laughs> uh, the Bullfrog is, I mean, he's top twenty five player in the world. You know, yes. I mean, he just he doesn't win every week or, or ever. You know, I mean, he's only won a couple of times on tour, but he just he's one of those guys that finishes finishes top twenty five, top twenty, top fifteen in the big tournaments. He he acquires a lot of world ranking points, plays in a lot of events usually. So, I mean, he's speaking of the spinning sensation, McLean, uh, Lindy, my wife, saw him on TV a couple of weeks ago. And she yeah. was like, hey, you never told me the Spanish sensation was good looking. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know you knew who the Spanish sensation was. So, I, <laughs> so you're li- listening to the podcast. I was like, she listens right? to a little bit of it, I guess. Wow. 
I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, these guys are going to be exhausted. Um, yeah. This week. I can't imagine just, I mean, that's just a grueling golf course to play on top of all the delays in the weather and the amount of golf that the guys that made the cut, the amount of golf they played the last two days was a ton of golf. And so it, it'll be interesting to see who, you know, can handle that, go to another tough golf course, kind of both mentally and physically and emotionally to, uh, to see who wins, but it's usually a, a bunch leaderboard, you know, because it's, going to be a nine under winner or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's single digits. Typically, typically. typically. Yeah. You know, Although, another, wow, another Sam Burns player, was 17 under last year. That's, that's, that was that's, a, well, that's a tournament record. Common. That's getting yeah. after it. Yeah. It, how many times has Dustin Johnson played in this event? I mean, I can't, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not able to pull up the stats here since they haven't, you know, re uh, the power re-under. rankings just say he did have a T six here in 2019, but I'm not sure how much, how many times he's played. I feel like this is a new course for JT. I don't know if he's ever played here before. He may not have. I think he's played it once, once or twice. Oh, but, never mind. Uh, I hit that back. Three top 20s at Vilesbar for JT. So there you go. There you go. Well, well coming off another <laughs> top 10. Did he finish top 10? Uh, I don't know if he got top 10. He, he faded. Doubled, doubled 17. So that probably didn't help him. But, yeah. He splashed a couple towards um, the end. Yeah. Like you said, with Dustin Johnson, though, he hasn't, he hasn't played a whole lot this year. So, you know, coming off of a, you know, that backdoor, you know, finish that he had today with, you said he shot 63 today. Yeah. Course record 63 or tied the course record. And then finished what, what did he finish? T9. T oh, finishing the top 10. I mean, that that's a good sign. I mean, for the, for, for arguably one of the best players of the last decade. I mean, somebody who's won every year, um, or, I'm sorry. Yeah, every year for the last decade, if not longer than that. Yeah, that's that's a good sign for a guy like that. So we haven't seen him a whole lot in the last six months. I'm not sure what was going on with him. Okay, right, I want to go. Yeah. I want to go back to the players real fast because I want to talk about one more player before we cap off the show. John Rom, crazy finish here. He shot 77 today. Yikes. With 41, I think he started. Yeah, he started on number one. So yeah. opening 41, I believe I saw a stat online on social media. He hit six balls into the water today. In his putting, he's ranked like 200th in the world in putting. It's not and great. I'm starting to see, you know, we've talked about, oh, where he's starting to control his temper and this and that over the last year. He's starting to get more annoyed and chippy in his press conferences. And I heard some people talking on another podcast that they overheard him just cussing up everyone on the golf course. (laughs) Like someone was like, uh, even a fan was rooting, rooting for him or said something like, we're going to go crazy when you hit this. And he said to his caddy, like, shut the fuck up. Like, but it wasn't like quiet, you know, loud. (laughs) It was loud enough for people to hear, but it wasn't like directed at these guys. And it's almost like he's sliding back and his frustrations are starting to get to him a little bit. So I'll be really curious to see what happens with Rom over the rest of the year. If he can kind of get things. He is um, he's ranked around the green 171 putting 135. True. Um, but off the tee, he's ranked number one approach to the green 14th T to green number three 
strokes gain total number six. So, I mean, he is obviously still in it, greens and regulation. He's number one, 75.74 greens and reg, which is obviously he's still striking the ball. Well, he's hitting it. Well, I, he's just not getting it in the hole and not that, scoring. And it's just and driving will, him nuts. That will drive you absolutely bonkers. If you know you're hitting it better than everybody else and you're shooting 77 um, and the, to cap it all off, he's got 666 FedEx, FedEx Cup points. That's not a good number. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know six, what that six, means anymore. 666 six, six is not a great number. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means anymore. I, I, I'm like, I don't know what the fucking FedEx Cup points are. Couldn't tell you what the FedEx Cup points are. It's just a bad omen. He needs to get off that number immediately. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up. I heard that he had six water balls today. Mm. He made did he make a nine today, I think. He made a nine. Yeah. Like, whoa, who is this guy? Early, early. Like, yeah, yeah it was like the, on, the, on the fourth hole. Yeah. Which should be a three wood and a flip wedge. God, look at that start. Par, birdie, bogey, nine, birdie, bogey, par, bogey, <laughs> birdie, 41 <laughs> on the front. Two pars, no big deal, 41. It's like we want to score cards. Gosh. And then he play, played a, a real mediocre, uh, even par 36 on this, uh, this trailing nine. Yeah, at that point, he's like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, gosh, can't I can't wait to get to the Valspar so I can get my head beat in even more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's in the field. Oh, he's not playing? Yeah, I don't think so. Probably, that's probably a good idea. Probably a good idea, yeah. Yeah. So. All right, Jens. Anything else on um, the players, Valspar, Tiger? No, man. Let's do it. Another week. Another week down. Uh, just another week closer to the Masters. Gosh. Three weeks away? Sure. Sure. Something around. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I think we got we got WGC after. We're going to match play. Is that correct? After the mm-hmm. yep. Valspar? And then Valero, Texas Open, and then the Masters. Is that right? I think you're right. The current upcoming schedule. So, um, yeah. All right. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We've had a lot of tune-ins. Our our listens in the last couple of weeks have been through the roof. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Thank you to those guys. If you're sharing it with your friends and colleagues and family, we appreciate it. And hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back next week. Cheers. Take care, guys.